So for this message, I'm going to ask that you have your outline ready and you have a pen from the pocket in front of you there. Just be ready. You'll see why it might be helpful as we move on. But there's a woman and her grandmother, and the grandmother's a, a very forgiving and religious soul, and they're talking about a member of the family. And the young woman said, he's just no good. He's completely untrustworthy, not to mention he's lazy. Yeah, he's pretty bad, the grandmother said, and she rocks back and forth. She says, oh, but Jesus loves him anyway. Well, the young woman said, I'm not so sure about that. And the older grandma says, well, oh, yes, 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 Jesus loves him. And she's rocking back and forth. And then finally she goes, well, Jesus doesn't know him like we do. <laughs> Love's hard, isn't it? Forgiving is hard. Relationships are hard. Well, we're in this final week of a four-week sermon series, and we're calling it God Is. And what we're doing is we're reflecting on God's character. And so three weeks ago, Pastor John was in here, and he talked about the character of God saying that he's gracious. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need. And then a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mark was in here, and he talked about God being reliable. He's trustworthy. He's consistent. He keeps all of his promises and then last week, Pastor John was back in here talking about God being a God who is sovereign, that he's in control, and that he's got this all covered. But now today, we're going to take a look at the characteristic of God where it says God is love. And, and before I do that, I want you to take that outline. I want you to pretend you're not in church. You're not in front of your church friends. You're not in front of your pastor. Let's say you're at the mall or at work or in the neighborhood, and whoever you're with says, hey, I want you to finish the sentence, I love. What are you going to put on there? Put something on your outline. I love. How would you finish that? Now, again, you're not in here, so let's think of it that way. When you get an answer to write down, just yell it out. I want to hear a few answers. I love Jesus, family camping, other service I heard, pizza, 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 and pizza. So maybe they were looking for the chili, I don't know. Anyway, but it's an interesting word, love, isn't it? I mean, I think we use it so casually without thinking because I would say I love pepperoni pizza and I'd say I love to watch basketball games and I might say, well, you know, I love in the park walking past a creek or a pond and I love my wife of 50 years. So you see where the issue is there? I use the same word for loving pizza as loving my wife. And then we romanticize the word love. We got songs, right? They got the lyrics, all you need is love, and love makes the world go round. And then we even sing love as a battlefield. Is that what God means when he tells you that he loves you? In the Greek, that would apply to the word love. And so there's a word storge, and, and that's kind of this natural affection, a mother in her child. Uh, and then you got eros. This is a physical, sexual kind of a love. It's always self-centered. And then philia love, like Philadelphia, you think of the city of brotherly love. And then the ultimate, agape love, right? God's unconditional love for every single one of you. Not self-centered ever. Now, if you look the word up in the dictionary, which I did, you'll find out that the word love is a noun and a verb. And as a noun, it says it's an intense feeling of deep affection, a great interest in pleasure in something, a strong, passionate affection. 
So that's the noun version, and the verb's the action to that. It's to feel deep affection uh, for someone or something, to like and enjoy them very much. So you're saying about now, where are you going with all this, Pastor Dave? We're in church. Let's get to the real good stuff. Well, I would, because the real definition of love comes from the Bible. We see it in 1 John 4. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Think about that for a minute. God is love. It's kind of funny when I watched Pastor Mark a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about, well, his verse for the day only has six words in it. I, the Lord, do not change. Wow, powerful words. And then last week, Pastor John was in here and he's talking about only four words in his message and that God is in control. Well, hey, I only get three words, but think how powerful they are. God is Love. And no matter how you divide those three words up, it's true. God is love. God is love. And God is love. No matter how you slice it, it's the perfect expression of what love is all about. First of all, he is the noun version of love. It's who he is. And he's not just loving. He's the definition of love. He generates and demonstrates I saw a quote, and boy, does it fit great here. It's from Max Licato. I'll give him the credit for it. I'm not as bright as him to come up with it. But it says, water is wet, fire must be hot. You can't take the wet out of water and still have water. You can't take heat out of fire and still have fire. In the same way, you can take love out of God and still have God because God is love. So let's break it down. Let's see what that looks like. First of all, God's love is sacrificial. His love is not self-centered. It's always us-centered. And he handmade each of you, and he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Every single one of you I'm pointing at right now. And and we read John 3.16 sometimes, which says that, and we just, oh yeah, that's the verse we all know, and you read past it. No, it's written for you personally. For God so loved the world, which you're part of, and he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Sacrificially gave his life for you personally. Know that. That verse was written for you because he gave his life. And of course, we know in John 15, 13, that greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his one. So this is the perfect definition and proof that God is sacrificial. Well, we also see that God's love is forgiving. And I I tell you, I think we take forgiving for granted many times. Oh, we say, I'm sorry, and we really aren't. We say, oh, I forgive you, and we really don't. And yet that's not God. God's whole existence about us confessing and him forgiving. Why wouldn't it be? He gave his life so that that could be offered to us. Let's read this verse together, please. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Think about that verse for a minute. Think about it. I mean, God doesn't just look the other way when you sin. He doesn't, well, nod and wink and say, "Ah, don't worry about it, it'll be okay. Because he can't. The wage of sin is death. And God says that Somebody has to die for your sins. And Jesus says, I'll do it. I'm the guy. Ephesians 1, 7 says that in him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You know, I think about characters in the Bible. I think about Peter. Think about Peter for a minute. There's Jesus. He's heading off. He's going to die for our sins. I don't know him. No, I'm not one of his followers. And then Jesus forgives him for that moment or that mindset that doubts even knowing and is afraid to admit it. And then Thomas. Think about Thomas. There's Thomas. He walks with Jesus and and, and, and Jesus gets crucified, and suddenly, well, I don't know the guy. Uh, prove it to me. Until I see, I won't believe. Jesus doesn't yell at him. Jesus comes and gently says, hey, hey, Thomas, look at I want you to believe in me. That's love. That's this awesome love. That's this free gift that we get. None of us could afford it. And God's love is, in fact, free. I don't know if you've seen the commercial. It was on for a while. It really drove me crazy where it's just people going free, 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 free. Well, I don't know if you know the backstory, but they got sued for $141 million because it wasn't free. And we know that we have people telling us there's no such thing as a free lunch. And free to us doesn't mean free. Jesus died so that you would have his forgiveness absolutely and totally free. We see that in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it's by grace, that's a free, undeserved gift, by grace, you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't buy it. It's not a buy one, get one free, limited time offer. There's no gimmicks to this. God's love and forgiveness to you is absolutely free, and it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. There's a story that, that it's kind of cool. It's a guy who wants to be a paratrooper, and he goes for lessons, and they say, you got four steps. You've got to memorize them. You've got to do them. Step number one, jump when you're told. Number two, count 10, pull the ripcord. Number three, in the unlikely event that the parachute doesn't work, pull the emergency ripcord. Number four, you get down to the ground. A truck will come and take you back to the airport. So he memorizes and memorizes and practices. He gets on a plane, 10,000 feet. He's told to jump, and he jumps, counts to 10, pulls the ripcord, nothing happens. But he remembers, pulls the emergency ripcord, nothing happens. And he goes, oh, man, I suppose the truck won't be there either. <laughs> That's a funny story, but maybe you feel like that guy. Maybe you do. Maybe life's got you down. Maybe life is going not as planned failures, disappointments. Uh, you just feel like you're out there all alone. You're not. God promises that he loves you unconditionally, and this free gift that comes to you is totally reliable and will always be there for you. And we see that God's love is unconditional. You know, as self-centered humans, I don't think we can even begin to express unconditional love Oh, I know, we tell people we love them unconditionally. We stand up and we say, I love you in good and bad and joy and sorrow, sickness and health. And, but what about if your spouse cheats on you? Would you still love them unconditionally? Hopefully you'd still love them, but would there now be conditions? Your child is uh, found guilty and goes to prison for murder. Would you still love them unconditionally? Your neighbor hangs up a Michigan... Oh, never mind. That's, <laughs> some things are unforgivable. No, I'm just teasing. 
But you see, Romans 5, 8 is so powerful. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't this really nice, clean-washed people, and God says, oh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll die for them. No, we're his enemies. We put him down. We ignore him, and he still reaches out. And Romans 8 says that there's nothing in creation that could ever separate you from God's love. It's unconditional. And then we see that God's love is forever. I don't think we can kind of see past today, tomorrow, maybe the next season of our lives, but God's love's not like that. It's not for a year or a season. It's forever. It's eternal. We see in Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Think about that. From the time of creation to the handmaking of you, God's love was, is, and will always be a perfect love. I want you to read along with me these verses. I'm going to read the, the parts that's in black ink, and you do the one in red, okay? And you'll see the point of this. So let's see if that goes up there. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. We in the wrong slide. You know your part. The sun to govern the day. His love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures. I must have stuttered with my thumb there when I was pushing the button. But see, here's the point, and you know what it is. God's love is forever. Nothing can change it. There's nothing you can do to make God not love you, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you more because he is love. And now because he loves you, we're supposed to reflect that back again. You know, if you've applied for a job, you'll see there's a job description, right? Here's what's expected of you in this relationship that you'll have with your job. Well, here's your job description as a Christian, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. That's your job description. Really? I'm supposed to love God above everything? Well, okay, that makes sense. But love my neighbor? Lord, do you know Joe and Sam and Sally? You want me to love them perfectly? Yeah, and yet on our own, we'd be unable to do that, but we don't have to because God loves works in and through us, and we love because he first loved us, rubs off on us. See, our sinful nature turns our hearts away from loving God, turns our hearts inward to self-centeredness, but God changes our hearts and makes us capable of love. See, he gives you a heart transplant. He gets rid of this unhealthy, sinful heart, and he comes and he gives you a new heart that's capable of loving. Every morning when I do my prayers, I pray for all of you, but I pray for me as well, and I always pray Psalm 5110. 
Create me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. On my own, I admit it, I'd be lost. But God wants me to be more like him every single day. And that starts with a new, fresh heart. And he knows what I need. He creates fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in me, in my heart, to reach out to each of us so I can produce uh, Spirit-driven fruit. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I find it amazing that if I'm God and I'm dictating what I want to be said in his word, he starts with love. And if you look at all of the others, they come from love. They fulfill love for us to God and for us to other people. What does all that really look like, loving other people? Well, I do a lot of weddings, talk to people about what love is all about. And then couples stand in front of their family and their friends, and they profess to love each other forever. And I often think, what do they think that word love really means when they say that? And sometimes they'll have me read 1 Corinthians 13. This is God's definition of love. And he tells us what it is, and then he goes into what it's not, and then back to what it is. So look what his definition would be. Love is patient. Love is kind. And then we flip, and it says it does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. These are all godly characteristics that come from him to us so that they can now come from us to love him back and to love others. And we are, in fact, called to live, to show, and to share love with other people that he's put in our pathway well, we read Ephesians 2, 8, 9 a little earlier that we're saved by the grace of God through faith. Did you know what? Now that that's true and we are believers in Jesus Christ, the next verse, verse 10 says, now go do something about it. And you'll see Ephesians 2, 10. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Here it is, to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. I like the message translation of this verse. It says he created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. We work and and, uh, work we better had be doing. Uh, What does that look like? You ever think about it? What does it look like to live love and to show love and to share love, to be Christ-like in the way we treat people around us? And, And I think sometimes it's pretty easy, right? Some people make it really easy for us to show love to them. And then there's those other people. A lot harder to do. Now, I've shared this with you before, but it's my personal uh, action step when I'm dealing with people that maybe aren't quite so lovable. And the first word is don't condemn them. See, the Bible tells me not to condemn anyone. It starts out in Romans 8, 1, saying there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I am called to love every Christian out there because God loves them, I should love them. Now, if a person's not a Christian... I'm supposed to love them anyway and not condemn them. I'm supposed to pray fervently for them to come to know the Lord and to know what they should be doing because of that. And then secondly, don't condone what they're doing wrong. Don't sheepishly bend and nod and say, oh, that's great. 
Don't condone things that are erroneous and against God's word. In love, let's stand up and share God's word. But do it very, very gently. And then the third C is to just care for them, right? Care for them based on the relationship and the situation, which always means pray for them. Pray for their warts, their wrinkles, the things they do, the things they say. And why? Because God forgives you with your warts and wrinkles and things you do and say. And your job is to be more Christ-like. So I want to ask you as an action step, how are you doing? How do you do at showing love for other people? Well, let's look at the same areas we just looked at for God's love. First question, is your love sacrificial? What do you think, personally, for you? Are you generous? Do you put other people first in your life with your time, with your talents, with your treasures, with your emotions? What I want you to do on your outline next to number four, you'll see the word sacrificial, a little plus and a little minus. Just take a second and circle one of those. Are you moving closer to or further away from demonstrating a sacrificial love? Not asking if you're perfect, but where are you going in your life? Are you doing better or worse in that area? And is your love forgiving? Do you forgive others? Hmm, interesting, huh? Do you make them pay for their past? Do you make them have to jump through some hurdles first? How about the repeat offenders? Are you willing to be forgiving for them? Once again, next to the word forgiving, circle a plus or a minus. Are you moving closer to where God would want you to be? Or are you moving further away from offering loving forgiveness? Is your love free? Is your love and friendship free? Or are there strings attached? I'll love you, but here's what I need from you first. Or here's what you need to continue to do for me to love you. Once again, on your outline, next to the word free, circle a plus, circle a minus. Are you moving in the right direction or you need a lot of help because you're moving in the wrong direction about offering a totally free love? Is your love unconditional? Whew. How many times will you forgive someone? That's an interesting question. Forgiving means to move forward and not carry the past with you. Are there people you will not love unconditionally? Maybe it's an age group. Maybe it's a race of people, a lifestyle, a political affiliation. Maybe it's that beggar by the side of the road that makes you feel guilty while you're going into the Brown Stadium without helping him. Hmm. That's not unconditional love, is it? How are you doing? I want you to circle that unconditional word. Are you moving towards or away from where God would want you to be in demonstrating unconditional love? Is your love forever? Whew. Do you move on with people? You know, I love you for a season, but you know, I'm going to discard you if you don't please me. Hmm, that's a tough one, isn't it? And we don't know what the future holds, but put a plus or a minus. How are you doing in that area? Are you forever loving somebody? Are you saying this is a commitment I'm going to make with you? So lots of words, lots of thoughts. Hopefully you'll go home and you'll really process some of this stuff. But what am I challenging you with today? Well, the fact is God loves you. That's undeniable. 
His love is there. He loves you. He loves you unconditionally, sacrificially, forever. His love for you is absolutely free. Let me put it this way, though. God meets you where you are. That's pretty cool to hear. When you sin, he offers forgiveness because of Jesus. When you're unfaithful, he restores you. When you wander, he's going to pursue you. When you're unlovable, he's going to love you. Because he is love. He has to. And then he calls you to go out and love him back. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. To love him back. And then to love the people that he's placed in your path, in your circle of influence. The ones that you love and are nice to you, and the ones that aren't. We're to show that love to them. So some action steps that might help you move forward with this. Number one, are you ready to say, I'm going to read God's word? That's where it all starts. I'm going to read his word so I can better understand and serve this God who is love. Are you ready to have a regular time in God's word every day? And say, Lord, I know you love me. Now use this word to transform me. And second is the same thing. We're going to ask God for a heart transplant to get your heart to be in a healthy place where you are capable of showing love. And then finally, are you going to ask God to help you to work in those areas of weakness where you circled a negative? Thank you for being honest. God thanks you for being honest. Now ask him to help you in that area, to work in those areas, to glorify him. Lord, just thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for the fact that your love is sacrificial. It's unconditional. It's forever. Thank you for being love, giving us that role model of love. Now help us reflect your love to other people, pointing them to the same love that you've given us. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to learn a little bit more about Royal Redeemer. We want you to be a part of our Royal Redeemer family here. May God richly bless you and guide you, and I truly look forward to seeing you soon.